Okay, we're in First uh, John, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I guess uh, to know God's love, and you will not be deceived. And uh, I put a, a large emphasis on know. Uh, we started this message in the book, and to know God's love, that's a very important word. I won't go into the 10 minute explaining no, knowing again. We've been going through the book of 1 John. You can always go back and listen to some of that. But to know God's love and uh, you will not be deceived because oftentimes it, it talks about being deceived in the scripture. Well, the, the book is, carries a theme through it that we're assured of our salvation. We're far from perfect and to love one another. It's a continual theme throughout the book. We may be saying it different ways, uh, but it's the same theme. We'll be touching on a lot of them topics this evening. I had, uh, I wanted, we had a wonderful week. It's been a very busy week, uh, work and ministry and all that we do. And we had vacation Bible school here at uh, Lakeview Baptist. And, and I want to thank all the volunteers for that and all the teachers. They did, did a wonderful job with enthusiasm. And I, I'm looking at my sister, Michelle, out there. I'm calling her out uh, to use her, her time and her, her treasures uh, to bring glory to God, to be in uh, the public school system in a secular world, to be a Christian woman, and to just share her love. I, I got to watch her minister to these children and lead and guide them with, with such love and enthusiasm. Her abilities to teach in a, in a way, not always of words, but through expression, through uh, seeing it, touching it, feeling it, hearing it. And I believe as pastors, we, we try to, even though we're up here, we're, we're giving a message with words, but we try to give different word pictures and, and such uh, but I just wanted to thank Michelle for doing such a wonderful job. And, and I know throughout the years in, in the public school system that her, her love just radiates from her of God as a Christian. That we don't have to specifically be, be preaching the Bible. That when we are involved in God's word and we internalize God's word, that it comes out in us in our everyday lives. And when see, when somebody hears God's word, they're drawn to that. They're called to that. So any expression of love in God's word, if that's being acted or heard or shared, it will draw one to that. So uh, thank you, Michelle, for your years of service doing that. Uh, I had a, uh, a young man come. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the, the assured of our salvation and we're going to be talking about that again tonight in Scripture. And, you know, that brings me to another point. At Vacation Bible School, we, we stress, we, we all want for our children, our family members, we, we, we want them to spend eternity with us in heaven. Uh, we, we try as hard as we can. You know, even though we're just in charge of planting the seed, watering the seed, God brings it to fruition. And uh, I got to have uh, a, a young man came to my Sunday school class. It's the men's adult Sunday school class. And it was very interesting. And dad is all excited because Junior has got baptized on Friday. And, uh, and that's awesome. That's awesome. To expose kids to God's word is the most awesome thing we can do. They're not getting exposed to God's word in the secular world. They come to vacation Bible school. They're being exposed to God's word. They'll hear God's word. God doesn't lose any of his. They'll be drawn to God. They'll always remember his place. Whether they got baptized today or tomorrow, I, it, it, I don't put a high value on that. The importance that we get it and we get it right. Well... He was pretty excited. Dad was pretty excited for this young fellow. And uh, being it was the adult Sunday school class, I generally give everybody a, a, a time to speak. And we were in uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, I believe, or something of that sort. But that's where we were at. And it, it came around, and I said, well, hold on. Let's, 
Let's, let, let me talk to Junior here. And I says, you know, you know that we're all grown men, that we come here today to worship the Creator, that we're reading His Word, we're talking about His Word, we're excited to talk about His Word, and, and your dad's here too, and he's excited about that fact too, that the Creator of everything that we see is here. I says, uh, do you know? Then I looked him in his eyes, and he was kind of, you know, how young kids are at first, and I looked him in his eyes, and I says, and what we were talking about, I says, what we're talking about today was in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. All things, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was God. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being. He was the light and life of the world, but the darkness could not overcome and do you know when I was looking into that young man's eyes, I just, I just, the God's word, I could feel that he's being drawn towards God's word. That he had stopped, he had shut down, and he was listening because he heard God's word. He didn't hear John, he heard God's word. And I accurately uh, said them verses, I didn't stumble over them. Uh, and, uh, and then I asked him, I says, do you, do, would you like to say anything? And, you know, he put his shoulders up and he says, he didn't really want to talk, you know, he's in the all men. And, and then Dan, dad wanted to say, well, tell him what happened Friday. Tell him what happened. And he's like, well, I got hot dogs. I got candy. No, no, no. Tell him about this. And Pastor Cliff, he says, yeah, Pastor Cliff. And what about the towel, you know? He says, oh, I got baptized, you know? And... Uh, but see, did that give me the assurance that it took three, four times to, to poke him, to, for him to say that I got baptized as if that saved him? No. Do you know what gave me the assurance of this young man's salvation? The fact that when God, the truth of God's word was spoken, there was a drawing process that was going on. And I says, and one day you will sit in a class like this and be excited to share God's word too. See, that's, that's that I'm assured of God. Uh, I hope I didn't step on anybody's toes in that introduction, but I, 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 think it's a, I think it's important that we understand that. You know, the assured of our salvation, and, and it tells us this in 1 John uh, 3.19, by this we shall know that we are of that truth and reassure our heart before him. Verse 24. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. By the spirit whom he has given us. See, First John, we back up scripture with scripture. To assure us of our salvation. That we're far from perfect. Verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 9 tells us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And also the, the third theme of the part of book 1 John, to love one another. It tells us that in chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, I want you to put the emphasis on know, knows. Remember, we spent a lot of time on know and knowing God. And remember also, I made the statement that once you know God, you can't unknow him. Once you know your wife, you can't unknow her. Once you're in God's hands. You cannot be plucked out of it. You're assured of your salvation to know. And we can know, be assured of our salvation by the simple fact that we love one another because we know. First John Chapter 3, 
I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 10. Uh, before I do that, let me just open us in a, a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, Father, I just uh, thank you knowing that in the beginning, Jesus, that you were with God, that you were referred to as the Logos, the Word. Now, Jesus, that I know that all things came through you. Thank you for allowing us to know that. And then to know that you are the light and life of the world. And to know that no darkness shall ever overcome the light. I thank you for this facility. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I pray for your spirit, the Holy Spirit. I ask and call upon yet to help me and guide me through your word, Father. That we could have give people a heart to know ears to hear, and eyes to see. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. Chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous." Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Amen. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Chapter 4, verse 10 tells us, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. God showing us his love what he has given to us. And he's the propitiation of our sins. You know, I was reading the other day and I read a, a comment. It says, you know, with inflation and everything that's going on and, and all the cost of everything, Christ is free. You know, it's free. Christ is free. Salvation is free. And it's like, well, yeah, I would say that was an accurate statement, but free to who? Let's think about how free that salvation is, okay? First off, God, it says that he's a propitiation trading places for your sins. He's not trading places because he thought I was some great guy. And let's know God's love too, by the way. Knowing God's love and not being deceived of it. People that, oh, God loves you just the way you are. Oh, really? 
Oh, okay. And what verse and chapter does that come from? So, we say these things. We just throw it out there. And, and, and does it cheapen the gospel? Does it cheapen the message? Is there a value? Is there a price on it? Is it free? Let me ask you this. That free gift that my brothers and sisters have received. Because we, we are talking to brothers and sisters in First John. Your sin, what did it cost you? What did it cost you financially? How many of you went out and made poor decisions to chase after lustly fleshed and desires? How much did that cost as far as uh, money values? How many have been divorced? How many suffered addiction? How many have spent their money on different things? How much did your sin, did you pay for your sin in monetary? Just in monetary things, the value of money. Because if we're talking about free and inflation, let's just talk about it. Add it up. I bet you wouldn't even want to. So let's just forget about the monetary and the money part of it. Let's talk about the emotional part of it. Let's talk about the pain that you brought in to yourself and in your life. And remember, like I often say, being that we're all selfish and selfish and self-centered, the last people we think about is others. As you cause pain in other people's life and cost them pain, misery in their lives, that you costed them because you were so concerned about yourself, how much, how much is that? How much is the cost of that? And then I say, then when the pain became to you, the emotional pain and stress in your life, that you began to acknowledge it. How much was the cost of that? How much did it cost you? It's just free. Just take it. So that's, I know we all like talking about ourselves first. Uh, let's talk about God for a minute. Let's talk about the creator who's made everything. Let's talk about this man, Jesus, the word, the logos. It was in the beginning with God. Let's talk about him. What price did he have to pay for your free salvation? What price did he have to pay? All-knowing, all-powerful God created everything. Everything that you see came through him, manifested himself in the form of his creation, laid down a lot of his God, godliness, God abilities, attributes like Time, for example, he placed God who knows no time placed himself inside of time to be a little teeny baby, to be a slave, to be a servant, to be a servant, to be a baby, to have the need of a mother, to grow through childhood, through adolescent childhood, to become a man and to live a sinless life, not to sin one time. For his, for his creation. He did all this for this free gift that's just free to you. And then he was, he was tried and convicted for crimes he had never done. He had the most torturous and worst death imaginable on a cross. If you're a Roman citizen, you couldn't even be hung on a cross. Died for those. So when, when, we, when we say it's free, I, it rubs the hair on the back of my head. It starts to stand up. And I began to think about how free it is. And, and, I, and I hope you do too. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The reason why the world does not know us, me and you, beloved, is that it did not know him. Chapter 4, verse 17 tells us, By this is love perfected with us, 
so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. And John 16, 3, And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. I don't know if you can look back at your, your journey uh, with your salvation and how the world uh, knew you. <laughs> they, they knew you as a sinner. And they, they loved you as a sinner. Uh, they encouraged you. They enticed you. And then there was a, a regeneration. There became a new person. They became to not know you. You know, that wasn't the, that wasn't the John I know. That, that wasn't the Wesley I once knew. See? And actually, oftentimes when Jesus is talking, it's, he tells us that they, uh, they don't hate you, he, Jesus says, they hate me. You know, there's a, there's a, begins a change in us. Now, what happens also when we, we're reading this text and we're going through it? See, when I'm assured of my salvation, if you have not been assured of it, th- this should be convicting. It should be condemning. It should almost be borderline hate speech. But see what them things are to me assures me of knowing my salvation in God, that I know him. You know, I I, I just want to bring this up about uh, John chapter 13, that uh, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And I asked a young man, I said, has Jesus washed your feet yet? Have you learned to wash the feet of others? And, and to me, it talked a lot about a cleansing and, and, and a bathing that he told Peter, he says, no, I don't need to wash your body. See, ceremonially, they, they've washed herself and their mikvahs and every time they, every, they've washed herself over and over and over and over again. So the physical body was clean, But the point that Jesus was making, this is a once and for all cleaning and that Jesus must do it to take part with him in his kingdom, to be a part of the kingdom. I must do this to you. I must wash your feet. You must accept the forgiveness I have to offer you. When you accept that forgiveness and your soul is regenerated, There'll be a new person. People will begin not to know you. Your church family, brothers and sisters, will know you. But the world, they they will not. Beloved, we are God's children. Romans 8.15 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians also says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Now, I want to talk about that for a, a second. We are God's children. Do you, do you realize that the, all the, the epistles in the New Testament, that each one of them refer to their self as a servant. But the root, root word is doulos, which is slave. So if there's a slave, there has to be a kiros, which is lord. Each one of his, these epistles, his descent, refer to him as servants for the lord. They humble themselves before the Lord. What, what are they saying? They're saying, first off, because of slavery in the past, I don't know why that they choose to use the word servant, but they do. But if you just look it up and go to the Strong's Concordance, and you'll find out that the word is do loss, that it's a slave. 
Now, a slave, and back in Roman time, they had no voting rights. They had no ownership rights. All, all they could do was wake up in the morning and do the bidding of their master, to do the, the will of their Lord. That's all the rights they had. All the servants here, all his disciples here are referring to themselves as a slave for Christ, a doulos. I, I look at myself that way because that's how they look at their self. But see, here's the beauty of it. Now, this is only what God can do. Only what the creator of the universe can do is because this is one of the most enduring verses that we'll run into is when we can cry out to God as Abba, Father, that we've been adopted into the family. You've been in, adopted into the family, the creator of the universe, as a child. He allows you to know the family business. He's preparing a home for you in heaven right now to have ownership. The glory is just going to be unimaginable how he refers to us and talks to us. Beloved, we are God's children. Now, and that, and what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, talking about Jesus, Romans 8.18 for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The present sufferings at our time going through this world, the glory is going to be unimaginable when we see Jesus again, when Jesus comes back for the second coming. And to know him already, to know him is unimaginable. How, how can one go through losing family members and still praise God in glory? How could that be? Because they know God. They know who a sovereign God is. Oftentimes we want to make excuses for God. You know, I think of Job. I think of Job because the sovereignty of God, the fact that God offered up his most righteous person, he offered him up to Satan. Told him he could do with him as he wills, but he can't kill him. And he did. Don't need to make no excuses for that. That's what God did. Because why? Because God is God. And, it, and when Job starts to ask questions, because he, he, he's a righteous man, he can't understand why this has befallen him. All these things are happening. He don't understand it. And God goes on to tell him, were you there for the foundation of the world? Were you there when I put the world on its axis? He goes through chapters of animals and what's going on. Were you there for that, Job? Were you there for this? Job's, no. No, I wasn't. I, I don't understand. But he, he never cursed God. You know, his wife told him, all his friends... He said, his friends sat around for three days. They didn't say a word. That was the best thing they could do. I don't know if it was how many days, but they sat around for a day. That was the best they did. Because as soon as they opened their mouth, they messed it all up. They started talking. It must have been your sin. It must have been this. Everybody's making up excuses. Then his wife finally says to him, why don't you just curse God and die? But he never did. He never did. See, because Job... Job knows the sovereignty of God. And we need to share the truth of God, for you know our job, preachers and teachers, is to share the truth of God's word, for you know God. And, verse 3, and himself, as he is pure... And everyone who has thus hopes in him, himself, as he is pure. John chapter 17, 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me 
may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. To know God. Jesus is saying that prayer for us in chapter 17. If, uh, oftentimes they always refer uh, to the Lord's prayer. It should be our prayer, the disciples' prayer. If you want to listen to the Lord's prayer, read chapter 17. And, and, and Jesus is praying for us. He prays for his disciples. He prays for all those who believe and hear the word. He's saying a prayer for us that we will know his glory, that we become to know him, and that for, for him not to take us out of this world, but to protect us from the evil one. What an awesome prayer. Then in verse 4 it says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that. He appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Hebrews 9.26 For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You know that he appeared in order to take away the sins and in him there is no sin. That remember when I started off and talked about the cost of our sal- that free salvation that people talk about, the cost that he, had, that he did, that he endured for us and showed us? And in this book, how it talked in the beginning, how they they knew, they physically seen Jesus, they seen his miracles, they could touch Jesus. It wasn't some illusion of some Gnostic illusion that it wasn't Jesus. He, your, your God, your creator came in the form of his creation to do this for our sins. For my sins and beloved, for the whole world who wants, to, who believes in him. To believe. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. In this first John chapter two four, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. John three eleven. Beloved, do not Imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Let's talk about that sinning for for a minute. Uh, Let's just clear up something here, a a contradiction. Uh, I'm still a sinner. And this, this this can be convicting. This is hard to understand. I think Logan did a wonderful job when he... He started preaching about how the flesh is sin. It can't make it. It can't surmount to it. But we have the spirit. He says, if you don't follow his commandments, he's giving us a command. We read here already, if you sin, he tells us in 1 John, not to sin, but if you sin, to confess your sin, and he will surely forgive you. So what we can't do is we can't deny our sin because we, we will continue. The flesh does continue to sin. Does that give us an excuse to sin? No, that does not give us an excuse to sin. But when we're reading this language and it says no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. Now, in the emphasis also on know. Okay, now how do I know this that that because by flesh, because I've read Romans 7, I know the internal battle that I have with my flesh that I continue to deal with on a daily basis. I know that. I understand that. It tells me that. And then it tells me what I need to do to dispose of it, to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh, not the desires of the flesh, but the Spirit. I must. That's a command. That's His commandment. Am I following His commandments? Do I sit in His righteousness? It's a miracle that God has that we have his righteousness has been imputed to us. Not that I'm righteous, but I can declare myself righteous. And before the foundation of the world, God declared me to stand before a holy and just God as righteous. How can that be? There's only God can do that. 
I share the word with you. This is not an excuse to keep on sinning, nor should it condemn you when you read this. You should understand that because you've been made righteous, you've been right with God, that, that all of a sudden now you just become perfect. You're far from perfect. And that just puts you back into the law again. Because then you're going to try to perform the law. We know God's commandments. The moment we step out of that, we immediately go to the Spirit and ask for His help. He goes on to say, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. John chapter 8, 44, You are of your father, the devil, and you are, your will is to, to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The reason that God... The, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews tells us, Since therefore the children share in the flesh the blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Genesis 3.15, I will put an enemy between you and the woman, and between your offspring and the offering. He shall Bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, let me back up. I just said a whole lot there. I just blurted out a lot. I understand that. Remember when we're reading in this book, in, John chapter, in 1 John chapter 2, it says, they were not of us. They went out from us because they were not of us. And Jesus refers to them as the Antichrist. Okay? So who are these people? These are the people that they, were, they, they seen the miracles, they tasted the miracles, they walked with Jesus, they were all them disciples that turned away. Did we have them today in our church? People show up, they hear the word. You have the full knowledge, the full revelation who Jesus is. And then you make a decision before you've ever been converted, you make a decision to turn your back on Christ, walk out of this church, you begin to live the lifestyle that you had lived previously, you begin to promote sin, you think of new ways to sin, you deny Christ as the believer, and you are labeled the Antichrist. You are the father of the devil, you're a liar from the beginning, is what he's saying. Now, that's one. The other person, he recognizes when he sins. And when you recognize when you sin, you confess your sin, and surely he'll forgive you. Now, if you have a repentant heart, and you're in a relationship, a, a, a sexual relationship outside of one man and one woman through holy matrimony, if you're in that relationship right now in your life, you're living a sin. Now, he gives you redemption for that. He says, confess your sin, admit your sin, and he will forgive you. Now, you continue the sin, you have to ask yourself a question. Have you been regenerated? Are you, he declares here in this book, that I always tell you there's two groups, the saved and the unsaved. Jesus says that you are either children of God, adopted into the family, or you are of your father, the devil. And he does say, such were some of you, so you can change groups, but the point is very clear. This should be very convicting to you. You have to take this scripture and you have to make a decision. First off, you walk out of this church, you denounce Christ, you ever know him, and you just live however you want to live. Two, you cry out to the Lord. You say, Lord, forgive me. I need your help. Matter of fact, Lord, I can't do this without you. 
my flesh, my sinly body, my flesh can't stop doing this sin. I need your help. Help me stop, Lord. I'm crying out to you. And see if the Holy Spirit won't come upon you. It won't regenerate you and make a new creation out of you. Then there's the other group. They just go out and they completely deny it. And then, they, then what they do is they make up false ideologies and thought processes. They begin to tell you how it's okay that this guy John up here, he's just bonkers. God loves me just the way I am. Salvation is free. They begin to tell you and try to make you feel good for all the things you do. God clearly tells us his word. He tells us his commandments. We read them. It's it's going to convict you or condemn you. But that's up to you. God doesn't, he says he didn't send his son in the world to come to judge the world, that the world has judged itself already by not believing. We're speaking the truth from God's word. See, this is pretty redundant. One, I believe one could read this and as a believer realize that they have sin in their life. Because if Jesus says, if you even have a thought of a woman, you have sin to pluck out your eye. Now, does he mean to pluck out your eye? No, because there'd be a lot of one-eyed Christians, wouldn't there? Logan brought that up. Wonderful point. No. See? But what he tells us to do is do it immediately. Repent. Confess. And he surely forgives. That's the difference between the two. And I, and I know when we read this that people that we, as Christians, we're far from perfect. We, we, we have anger. We have emotions. We, we deal with a lot of moving parts. We have a lot of baggage. We deal with a lot of other people's moving parts. We deal with a lot of baggage. And we are going to sin. We're going to say things that we shouldn't have said. We're going to do things that we shouldn't do. But the more we're in God's word, the more we're praying to God, the more we'll be able to recognize it. And by the way, not being in God's word, just denying it and staying as far away from it as possible is no excuse when it comes to that day before we all get to that door. The, 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 the path to destruction is wide. The, the road to salvation is a narrow. If you find that road, then there's going to be a knock at the door. They're going to say, Lord, Lord. There are going to be people that actually believed Jesus was Lord, but they didn't want to go to church. They didn't want to hear God's word. They believed. They was told at a young age, you know, you believe in Jesus, you go to heaven. If you don't, you go to hell. They say, well, I believe. Then they go out and they live their life. They do whatever they want to do their whole life. And they get to that door. And and they're going to say, I believed. I was told if I just believed. Then they hear these terrible words. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So being ignorant of God's word is not going to be an excuse come time for judgment day. So we must don't fear God's word. His yoke is light. Put your trust in him. Just to get rid of the pride. Just get rid of your pride. Just, you don't need your pride. Just get rid of it. Just acknowledge it's wrong. Even if you, if you feel a desire and you feel that you're, you just can't stop your sin and you're going to keep sinning, just do the start. Acknowledge it's wrong. Acknowledge that this is the authoritative word of God, that my creator inspired this word. He's put it before me to read. Believe that as a truth. Believe what it says and say, God, I can't do this without you. I'm unable to do this without you. I need your help. And I, and I believe he'll help you. I believe he'll send you the Holy Spirit. And that here Holy Spirit will enter upon you and will make a change in your life And you'll become the person that God really wants you to be, not the one that you think you wanted to be. Now at the end here, it tells us, by this is it evident, who are the children of God? Now this is another convicting, condemning thing. This tells us who the children of God are and who are the children of the devil. It's going to tell us clearly who the children of God are, who the children of the devil are. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, 
Now, it does say practice righteousness. It doesn't say if you come to a, com a complete, perfect righteousness. It says practice righteousness. We're continually looking to do just and be righteous and to follow God's word. We're practicing. It's a movement. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. Then it tells us, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, we, I went into great, great details about love, uh, and, and, I just, and I just, I'll just start kind of with the finish of the, the last point here, is I did not understand what it meant, what the two commandments, that sums up the whole Ten Commandments, the whole Bible, all in two commandments, to love God with your heart, mind, and soul, and love others as you, as you love yourself. Now, a person that doesn't know how to love himself, how is that person going to be able to love others? It wasn't until God manifested himself in his creation and that these miracles were seen, this book was written, that he came and he lived, he died a sinless life, and he died, and he says he died for you and me. He died for us, for those who believe that he died for us. That's a love that I can understand. So it's not an, an old commandment. It's an old commandment made new. It's to, to love others as Christ loved you. To love others. Now, who's he talking about? The brothers? Is it, is it like the, the good Samaritan who was going down the road and then the attorney was questioning him about Who's your, is it your brother? Is it, is it my brother in the back row there because he's my brother in Christ? I, I, I love him, but, you know, them, that other congregation down the road, they're not my brother, you know. Uh, are the people, the sinners out there, the groups, the, the alphabet group, we'll call them the alphabet group, uh, uh, that uh, you don't love them because they're a part of the alphabet. And you're 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 a Christian. You're you're you have haughty eyes. You're 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 way up here. You're the publican in the pew saying, "Thank God, I'm not like that tax collector." There's all kinds of examples of how we're supposed to love people, from biblical perspective of it. Now, do I love their sin? No, I hate their sin. Anything that comes in the way of my family and my God, I hate it. But I'm allowed. But I can love them. That's a hard thing to try to understand. I spent a lot of time on that. I'm not going to go into that again. But I'm, I'm going to stress the point how to love the unlovable. Well, how did Christ love you? How did Christ love you? When you were warring against God, remember it wasn't that you loved God, that God first loved you we first read. You did nothing for that. John, and John with Nicodemus, he says, you must be reborn again. Nicodemus had nothing to do with his rebirth. Matter of fact, when Jesus talked to the Pharisees and the scribes, he, he declared, he says, all of them. He says, all of you are like your father, the devil, a liar, deceiver. It was an apostate, the heresy type of, warped into it. The whole brood of them. But we find that Nicodemus, something was called on his heart that he came. He was concerned about it. And Jesus says, you must be reborn again. Because at the end of chapter 2, it says that Jesus knows the, the hearts of all men. He knew what was on Nicodemus' mind. So Jesus, his love was so great for me and for you, beloved, that while you were at odds against him, we are to love the mission field. We don't, we don't know who his children are compared to who are not his children. We are to love them all. We're, sh we're to share the truth of God's word. We're to, I always like feeding people, just loving on them, letting them know that, uh, that they're loved, that uh, try to get them what they need, their essential care, their basic needs. I, I don't affirm uh, anything outside of God's behavior. Uh, I don't affirm any sin. I accept all. I accept the world as, as it's been given to me, just as Jesus did. It's, it's, it's this fallen world. I accept it as that. I understand that. But it's made, it's, it's made it a lot easier for me to begin to love other people, the hard people to love. 
uh, that we would say, not my brothers are, that I'm working hand in hand in the Lord's work. Uh, them are the easy ones to love. It's the ones that on the other side of the world that have a desire for me not to be here, uh, to be able to share the truth, uh, whether it's share love, lumping, it's like lumping coals on their head. So I think we have a, I, I, I would hope that you have a good understanding of, and that tells you if you're in which group you're in, if you're of God or if you're of the devil, if you're able to love. If you have a problem with loving the unlovable, I ask you to talk to God about it. See, that's another one of them things that our human, physical flesh may not be able to do that, and we have to call on the name of the Lord. We have to ask him for that power. We have to ask him for wisdom. He says, ask for wisdom, he'll give it abundantly. Not to to the pick three tonight, but to understanding his word. Uh, Pray for things in his name and it will be given. As done on on heaven is on earth. On earth as in heaven, we're represented for God and we're doing God's will. We begin to pray for somebody and show God's love for that person to regenerate their soul. That person can become the strongest member of your congregation. But we put our faith and trust in God and we love that person as if I love the people in these pews today because I was... Such were some of you. Such was I one time. I've learned how to love through that powerful God, through Jesus. You know, what an amazing God, you know. Uh, so let us just go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, I just, uh, oh, I just thank you for, for Jesus, Father, for that deep love of him coming into this world. For this text that's been put before us, that's been delivered by the Holy Spirit uh, to this on these pages, to, that we can have understanding and be assured of the the glories, the unimaginable glories that are to be before us one day for loving for what the for what He's done for us, that love, what He's done for us. I, I pray that we can understand that uh, we're far from perfect, that we understand that even as Christians, even being declared righteous, that we're far from perfect. And all you're asking for us to do is to confess our sins, that we can confess our sins to you and that you'll give us forgiveness. And I pray that it's not a jailhouse or a phony confession just to get us out of this jackpot, but it's a, it's a real, deep, sincere true confession of repentance because there's pain the pain that comes in our lives from this world this world with its false ideologies and thought processes that are just destroying people day after day may may your word continue to overcome them to defeat them to conquer them May you send more pastors, more preachers, more teachers, more singing teachers into this world to continue to proclaim the truth of your word, to let this fallen world know of your son Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the love of our God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, everybody.